We have the privilege of uh, reading in the Word and having the Word speak to us. And we're going to be reading Psalm 71, 14 through 24. It's page 615 in your pew Bible. Let me have a word of prayer before we begin. Lord, we come before your Word, and we want your Word to speak to us. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Speak to our spirit. Help us to really understand it, but also to apply it. Help us, Lord, to really take the charge from this scripture to our own lives, to the next generation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 71. This is a psalm that uh, has the heading, Forsake me not when my strength is spent. But I will hope continually and praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me. And I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You have done great things, O God. Who's like you? You have made me see many troubles and calamities, but you will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall shout for joy, When I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will tell of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. Thanks, Bruce. Good morning. We are a church true to our word. We walk our talk, and we call ourselves the frozen chosen. It doesn't matter how cold it is. We're going to be here, right? (laughs) I think in 20 years I've been here, we've never. It can be blizzard, and Murray's like, yeah, we're going. We'll be there. We've been looking at pointing people to Jesus, and we want to look at another situation where um, someone has an encounter with Jesus, and we learn a lot about how to point people towards Jesus. We're looking in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 5, verses 1, in, uh, it's Mark 5, 1 through 20, pages 1068 and 1069 in your pew Bible. It's one of the great classic passages about what happens when a crazy man meets Jesus. Let me read the scripture. <clears throat> they came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately... There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been bound often with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he, Jesus, was saying to him, Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the stink bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus, depart from their region. And as he, Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus did not permit him and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. And when he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for a moment. But it is the word, and we come to you and want to learn from it, to not think we know it, even though we've heard it thousands of times. Warm our hearts, Lord, with Scripture and with truths, and may uh, that happen. We ask you to bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. So what's the craziest thing you've done lately? What's something that you just thought, well, that was crazy, or just some decision you made? Mine happened last Friday. Uh, the leaders and I with Gap, we took about 28 kids to stay in Angel Fire at the Schlupkas place and some other folks. And I have driven past Santa Rosa, New Mexico, literally thousands of times, hundreds of times in my life on the way to trips. Always gone by Santa Rosa, heard about the Blue Hole, but I just always wanted to stay safe and warm in my little car. And, and just, I knew it was down there. People went down there to learn how to scuba dive, but that wasn't going to happen this time. These guys are like, we're going and you're going. I'm like, do you see this gray hair? Do you see how, this is how I've lived so long, not being that crazy. They go, no, you're going. So we stopped at Blue Hole in Santa Rosa. And it's, you know, probably from here about halfway back and probably about a little bit smaller than than wall to wall here. And it's freezing right now. And so there's about a 40-foot cliff across from it. So all those guys get up there and they just start jumping. This is Andrew Ramirez. Uh, he, I put him up there because he looked a lot better than I did. And they just start jumping in. They look at me like, all right, it's your turn. And, I'm, and my wife's not there, so that's probably why I'm able to get up there. So I get up there and I jump. And I had one of those, remember the old Roadrunner coyote where he'd jump off the cliff and then he'd turn around and wish he could run back? I'm hanging. I'm suspended in midair. And I'm looking at this. And all of a sudden I think, this is not so fun. And I hit that water. And it's like someone took a frozen baseball bat and just hit me in the diaphragm. I hit that water, and I am underwater, and I am free. I can't move for a minute. And all I'm thinking is, I'm going to die here. I'm, gonna, I, 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 I'm thinking, my poor wife, they're gonna, someday they're going to be driving by here. They're going to put up a plaque there. And I thought about what that plaque would say. It'd say, below lies the body of Kim, who jumped on a whim because he thought he could swim. How foolish of him. 
And that's all I could picture is that that's going to be a, a memorial of me right there. And I came up, and I mean, I, I, I could barely make it to the side. But as I'm swimming to the, across, they have all the scuba divers, and they have all these guys, and they got all the gear, and they got their wetsuits and their hats, and they're, and they're all warm, and they got their air, and they're all just sitting there. And they, I, as I go by, I hear them say, those guys are crazy. <laughs> I mean, we're crazy. You're going down into a bottomless pit. So sometimes we have to do crazy things, and, and you know, there's a bucket list out there. But we want to talk about the craziest person, I think, in the Bible. The Bible's got a lot of crazy stories about crazy people. I think this might be the craziest person. Not too long ago on the Cove, <laughs> some of our crazy kids went and invited, they just went to Toot and Totems and invited the homeless people to come to our, our Cove dinner. And it got crazy. We, we ended up being in a car with a woman that we ended up having to take her to the pavilion because she was too crazy for it. We couldn't help her. And I just thought about Jesus is the only person that can really do this with that kind of craziness. Let's look at this guy, and I think there's about four things that we can learn as warm, safe Presbyterians about this crazy man. We can learn from this crazy man. Listen to the description of him. It says that he was alone. He was so crazy. He was by himself night and day in the mountains. He spent time. He lived among dead people in the tombs. He lived in the tombs and the graveyards. You don't live in the graveyard. He would howl and cry at night. Imagine what that sounded like. This guy makes Walking Dead and Twilight and Zombies look like Disney cartoons. It said he had been, often been chained and ripped those chains and broken those bonds. This is supernatural demonic strength. And it says he was self-destructive. He cut himself daily. This is the guy that is running toward the disciples. I can just picture this. So the first thing I get out of this guy is, from this crazy man, is that we're kind of like this. We'd like to think that that's nuts. But really without Jesus, the scripture says, because of sin... We are crazy too. That life without Jesus is crazy. That all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And without Jesus and the power of Christ, we will be crazy people. We'll be just like that man. Sin will make us alone. It will ruin our relationships. It will cut us off from each other. Sin will make us spend time with dead people. I spend a lot of time with college guys and college people. And they spend a lot of time with people who are going nowhere. Dead people. People who don't know Jesus. When we, when, we're, when we have sin, we, we, we do crazy things. We spend time among the dead people, people who can't help us and lead us towards Christ. We howl and cry at night. Sin makes us cry at night. Without Jesus, we're hopeless. When horrible things happen in our country, when Ebola and, and shootings and, and, and someone's name is in the newspaper that we recognize, and we don't know Jesus, it makes us howl at night. Without Jesus, life is crazy, and we will cry day and night, just like this crazy man. Sin, says, makes us a slave. He who sins is a slave to sin. It doesn't allow us to be free. We're chained to addictions. We're chained to greed. We're chained to lust. We're chained to envy. We're chained to status. We're chained to whatever addictions. Some are very obvious. Drugs, sex, power, money. And some are not so obvious. Envy and status and religion. And without, without Jesus, we're chained to sin. And just like this crazy man, we'd like to say we're far from him, but we're self-destructive. Sin makes us self-destructive. It makes us hurt ourselves and do things, and then we keep doing things over and over. What's the definition of insanity? Same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Sin makes us do insane things over and over again. Patterns for our, our family of origin, habits that we can't break, addictive behavior, besetting sins. Without Jesus, we're just like this guy. It's just not quite so. We're, we're a lot prettier with it. Sin causes us to be self-destructive and self-medicate. Sex, money, power, drugs, money, whatever, religion. We're just like this guy. I mean, we'd like to think we're not sitting in a warm church on a Sunday morning, but without Jesus, we're crazy. And if you think anything besides Jesus will help you, you're crazy. 
So the second thing I learned from this guy is just like him, to deal with this craziness, we must run to him and fall on our knees. So, he, so they get out of the boat, and it looks like that Jesus came all the way across the lake just for this one guy. He never goes more than probably 100 feet from the shore. The whole thing takes place. He goes over just for this one guy that's just like Jesus. And they're getting out of the boat, and John, John, Peter, James, they probably think it's a picnic. They think it's a road trip. Hey! And they're stepping out. And all of a sudden, they look over, and they see a naked, crazy, howling guy with chains hanging off of him, bleeding. And you can imagine, like, let's get back in the boat. <laughs> let's go back, Jesus. It says he runs towards Jesus, probably first running towards him because you're in my territory. I'm going to hurt you. But then when the demons who know Jesus, have known him from the beginning of time, when they recognize it's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, this crazy man that couldn't be held by change falls on his knees. They couldn't hold him with metal. And one look at Jesus and recognize who he is, he falls down on his knees. And he says, why are you here? It's not time yet. The end of the world, where you're going to throw us in the pit of hell. It's not time yet. You've come too early. We still get to do some damage. And he goes, who are you? I want to know what demons are in there. I'm going to name in a very interesting response. We are legion. It's a Roman phrase. You know what a, you know what a legion is? It's a Roman cohort of 6,000 men. 6,000 men. We could call it bipolar. We can call it you know, schizophrenic, psychotic. It's 6,000 demons. And he runs at Jesus, and Jesus runs right towards him, too, because he knows every one of them. He says, I know your name. You speak up, because I'm getting ready to show you what you're going to be doing. And he falls on his knees. And so the second thing for me is, I've got to run to Jesus. And before I knew Christ, my life was crazy. Without Christ, my life was crazy. (laughs) With Christ, it's crazy, but he's there. Is one thing we learn here is if we don't know Jesus... To deal with the craziness, we have to run to him and fall on our feet and let him heal us and, and name the things that we need to be healed in. As a non-believer, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be healed. Cast your cares upon him. He will care for you. By his stripes, we're healed. We have to. We can't be religious or good or, or, or watch happy TV, and prosperity preaching or some giant church and say that's going to make you happy. It's got to be about realizing our craziness and running to Jesus and falling on our feet and saying, Get this stuff out of me. And it says he will. He says he will. For those of us that are believers, it doesn't mean that craziness always goes away. It's a crazy fallen world. And it means if I already have done that and fallen on my knees and asked Jesus to be my Lord, i got to do it every day or I'll still get crazy. A couple of weeks ago, I was going crazy. I was letting small things about myself and my agenda and letting things make me crazy. And I was acting like a crazy. My wife said, you need a break. You're being crazy. <laughs> Because if we don't go to Jesus every day and get cleansed by him and get healed by him, we still look crazy. So whether you're not a Christian, you never come to him, you got to let him deal with the craziness. And if you are, you got to come every day. You've got to come in your own private time, your time with the scripture, your time with the fellowship here, worship, time with accountability, time with brothers and sisters in Christ. And then what happens? I love this. And Jesus, and I won't go into all the things about the pigs and the demons. That's a whole other sermon. I do love the story. You're two high school boys, and your, your job, because you, don't get, you, you get paid a couple of denarii, you're watching pigs, you're out there sleeping, right, throwing rocks, and all of a sudden, 2,000 pigs start just doing a rave, just start freaking out and going crazy, and they commit piggy suicide. They jump over the, and there's all jokes about deviled ham, and when pigs fly, and swine flu, and all that stuff that's been said. I won't steal those jokes. But they... 2,000, that's a lot of livestock. If you're a rancher, man, that's a lot of money. And these guys run in the town to tell people. And when they come out to see what had happened, what's this crazy man done now? 
I bet he's killed Jesus. I bet, I, no telling what he's done. Listen to the description. And I love this. It says, when they come out, they find the demon-possessed man clothed because he'd been running around naked. It's what sin does to us, exposes us, leaves us open in shame. He was clothed, and I love this, and he was saying the scripture, the Greek word says, in his right mind. They couldn't chain him. They couldn't kill him. They couldn't hold him back. They couldn't deal with his craziness. Jesus, one touch, one word, he's clothed in his right mind. That's the gospel, friends. That's what happens when craziness meets Jesus. That's what happens when Jesus, we fall on our knees to him and we claim or confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. He clothes us with his righteousness and he puts us in our right mind. He takes away the sting of sin and death. He gives us sanity and peace. That is good news. That's what he does. He puts us in our right. Have you been clothed by the by the gracious forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We need it just as much as that crazy man. Not our good works, not our Presbyterianism or our religion, but we just need to lay down our filthy rags that we call our life and our works and be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, who by his blood bought us back, named the demons in our lives, and sets us free and makes us in our right mind. How great is that? And the last thing I learned from this guy is what we've been talking about. He, the people say, okay, dude, we can't handle you. People either love Jesus or they hate him. You can't be lukewarm about Jesus. You're either crazy about him or you think he's crazy. And they ask him, they say, this is too much for us. A lot of people do this. Can you leave? They ask Jesus to leave. He just did something they could not do in a million years. And then they ask him to leave because it scares them. And it upsets their world and it changes their status quo. And he's not comfortable. He's not safe. And they say, would you get out of here? Okay. Jesus said, gentlemen, I'm leaving. I got other places that want me. And the crazy man who's no longer crazy, the naked man who's now clothed, the demon-possessed man who's now possessed by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> or will be, there with Jesus, he wants to go with Jesus. We always want to go with Jesus. It's safer. I want to go on the boat with the Christians where it's safe. Jesus goes, nope, that's too easy. I want you to go back to those people who rejected me, to those 10 cities called the Decapolis, who they all know about you, and now tell them about your changed life. I want them to know me. They're afraid of me, but they'll listen to you because they've seen your life change. Go tell them. It's not enough. It's not maturity in Christ. To know we're sinners and crazy and we need Jesus and to fall on our knees to him and confess our sins, and to be clothed by his righteousness, and to be in our right mind. It doesn't stop there. And unfortunately, that's where most Christians stop. I got my goodness. I got my clothes. I got my sanity. I'm good. That is the last thing Jesus would say. He says, now you go, and you tell other people that they don't have to be crazy. You tell other people that I died for them. I can clothe them. I can put them in their right mind. Go do that. And that's the thing that Jesus is telling us time and time again. Anybody know what this is called? I didn't until I asked Ron Butterfield, who's a physicist scientist. This thing is called Newton's Cradle. We've all seen them on our desk and stuff. It's an old toy. But I didn't realize that Isaac Newton, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Newton, the guy who, the whole thing about gravity and physics, I'm really good at this stuff, you can tell. I know a lot of science. So Newton said, he, he invented this. He said he wanted to, to demonstrate the transfer of energy that when one object hits another object, energy is moved forward to the next object and the next object. It's called the dynamic of energy. And Jesus says that 
is the gospel. I've come into the world that you may know me. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And Jesus comes into the world and says to James and John, follow me. And John goes to Peter. And Peter goes to Andrew. And Andrew goes to Philip. And this thing goes on throughout all, all humanity to us right now, telling people about the gospel. He says, go into the world and make disciples. Start in Jerusalem and go to Judea and go to Samaria and go to the end of the world. It's the last thing Jesus called us to do. Are we doing that? Are we just doing this? Me, me, me. More, what do I get from the church? What do I get from the Bible? Why is my pastor doing this? Why is my church doing this? Me, 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 me. No, it's not about me. It's about going and being crazy for Jesus. I'll show you a picture of two guys that I've really fallen in love with. <clears throat> this guy named Dom is probably, I call him the reluctant evangelist. Dom is Mr. Cool, and Dom is, <laughs> I have to drag Dom to some things sometimes. He's not a real church kid. He's had a tough life, but he's given his craziness to Jesus. And Dom's not the kind of guy that's going to stand on a street corner or stand up in church and say something, but Dom is out there among crazy people. And Dom's working out at the gym, and he meets this kid named Stephen. Stephen's had a rough life. Stephen's been in jail a couple of times. Stephen's got a long record, but guess what? Stephen's had a crazy life. And Dom realized that Stephen met Jesus in prison. Jesus clothed him and put him in his right mind, and this kid's on fire. This kid's crazy about Jesus and does crazy things. It scares us. And Stephen goes and tells his brother David. So Dom tells Stephen. Stephen tells his brother David. And David tells three or four people. We do a cove meeting three weeks ago. Stephen and his brother go to Toot and Totems because I tell them we're having a barbecue outside and they start inviting homeless people to hang out in front of Toot and Totem. It got crazy. And we look at him and go, this, and Stephen's like, is this the greatest thing ever? Stephen went to Affiliated Foods where he works last week, told five guys who don't know Jesus about the retreat. Two of them showed up with their, with their wives. These guys just show up at the retreat. I've never met them in my life because Stephen went to Juan, who went to Melissa, who went to Misa, and said, you got to come hear this stuff. That's the kind of stuff we're called to do. We're called to be kind of crazy. How do we do this? How do we, how do we get where it's not just about me and my church and my friends? How do we become the kind of people that go and tell others about Jesus because we're so crazy about him? I love what Peter says here. Because a lot of us think, well, I'm not an evangelist, or I don't know this, or, you know, Howard did a great job of saying we should know what we're saying. Here's another verse about what God asks of us, what, how he challenges us to go beyond ourselves. 1 Peter 3.15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. Does that sound like the gospel? I hope so. Last Halloween, we did something. Lord Yotri opened up her home in the middle of Wolfland where literally thousands of people, we'll talk about it, thousands of people come to get candy from all over the city. And people either do one or two things. They open up their home or they put fences around. One guy actually rented a fence, a chain link fence, and, and closed off his house so nobody come in. Lord Yotri said, I want to do something different because a year ago, a group called Repent Amarillo stood in Oldham Circle with a bullhorn and told people they were going to hell because they were practicing Halloween. That's a, that has an impact. That has about that much impact. So the Lord said, let's bring the light of Christ there. So with Gap Kids and Singles and Cove, we sat out there from 6.30 to 9.30.
We gave away 3,000 glow-in-the-dark necklaces and just said simple things like, God bless you, you're the light of the world, God loves you, and told people that Christ cared about them and they had a place to worship. <laughs> One of our kids who was in jail at 14 for selling meth with his dad and then went back to jail at 23 for selling meth, he come to know Jesus. He's standing out there, and all these people keep going and go, hey, Matt, hey, hey, man, how you doing? And after about 25 people, I said, how do you know all these people? He said, I used to sell them drugs. And now they're saying, what are you doing out here? I'm out here with the church. I'm out here telling people about Jesus. And they're like, dude, you've changed. There's something different. You're clothed and in your right mind. What does it look like when we do crazy things for Jesus? What does it look like when we fall in love with Jesus? It looks crazy. It looks like a man building a boat out in the desert when it has never rained. It looks like a short guy taking a rock to kill a guy 20 times his weight. It looks like an old man leading a million people across the wilderness without a plan, without food and water. It looks like a prophet marrying a prostitute, losing her and buying her back. It looks crazy. And sometimes we're afraid of looking crazy. In fact, in Acts 2, 12 through 13, when they, it says this. It says, when they saw the early church, it says, everybody was amazed and perplexed. They said to one another, what does this mean? But others said, they're drunk. Now, wouldn't it be nice to be accused of being drunk without having taken a sip? (laughs) To be in an inebriated church because we're so full of the Holy Spirit that people say, those people are crazy. They've got something crazy going on. Are you willing to be crazy, a fool for Christ? Because that's what we're called to, not to be safe. What does it look like? So a preacher and a lawyer show up at Market Street a couple of weeks ago. They're back there. They're going to have their nice little Christian group and have a little Christian breakfast. But the cashier says to Murray, you see that woman over there with seven kids in their pajamas? They spent the night on the street last night. In Amarillo, Texas, they slept on the street last night. So this crazy preacher and this crazy lawyer load them up, take them to get food, take them to Faith City, make sure they're taken care of because the gospel makes us do crazy things. People should think there's something wrong with those people. They're they're from another country, as Hebrews says. What does it look like? Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Mark Batterson in this book, All In, says this, and I think it's a challenge to us. When do we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things, that faithfulness means holding the fort, that playing it safe is safe, that there's any greater privilege than sacrifice? And this hit me in my safe, little, white, affluent, warm heart. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. Are we a safe church? Is my religion safe with all my safe friends? I love what the beaver, what Mrs. Beaver says to Lucy Pivens in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in the Chronicles of Narnia. They're talking about the king. They're talking about Aslan. And Lucy's a little afraid of lions because Aslan is this great lion, the Christ figure. And she says, a lion? Is he tame? And she laughs. Tame? No, he's a lion. But he's good and he's the king. Is our Jesus too safe and too clean? I love this church. I've been here for 25 years and it's getting crazier because this guy may look normal, but he's a little crazy. He's fearless. I thought I was fearless. Crazy things are happening in this church because we're not going to just be settled for just having a little bit of our money. We're going to keep upping our mission money because it's not about us. It's about going to the world. We're going to take an old basement and turn it into a contemporary worship service that three or 400 people will come to and young people will come to because we want to keep being crazy for Christ. 
We're going to have a Spanish-speaking church and hire an Assemblies of God Spanish minister to start El Camino. That's crazy. How about this? We're going to get a Baptist church and a Methodist church and a church of Christ who doesn't even think we're saved, maybe, and we're going to do something together. That's crazy, folks. When I tell people in other towns we're doing that, they say, that's phenomenal. We're getting dangerous. We're going to hire people to go over and do neighbor for neighbor in San Jacinto and take kids from there and kids from children's home and send them to Canacut and five or six of them meet Jesus. That's not safe. We're going to take a little church that's on its last leg with a few sweet, wonderful people and we're going to pour money and people and resources and staff in there and we're going to start this ministry on Saturday night. And every Saturday night, it's crazy. It's dangerous. We don't know who's going to show up, but new people keep showing up who don't want to go to church anywhere else. We're going to sponsor and be up behind some doctors who are going to be with another church on 6th Street and take a building and turn it into a free clinic. And we're going to be behind that. That's crazy stuff. Does it make you uncomfortable? Are we going to be a safe church or a dangerous church? Why would we want to do this crazy stuff? Because Jesus Christ is crazy about us and about this world and this city and the homeless and the lost and the crazies that roam up and down the street. He's crazy about them. Instead of our building our Christian fort higher and higher and putting more and more putty on and, and, and making it stronger and stronger, we're supposed to be knocking it down and opening the doors. Why should we do this? Because God is so crazy about us. He did a crazy thing. He sent his son, his only son, to come and to be a man and to let us kill him, to let the craziness of the world hang him on a cross where he was alone, where he howled and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where he was put in chains, where he was cut and pierced through for our transgressions. Where he took our craziness, our sin, and gave us sanity. That God's so crazy about you and me that he let his son experience the lunacy of being a sinner so we could be clothed and in our right minds. He took our filthy rags and became crazy so we could be clothed and be sane and know the peace of God. Will you not do something crazy for that? Are we just going to be safe? Are we just going to complain? Are we just going to want things to stay the way they are? What crazy things are you going to do for Jesus? What would it take for people to come by this church and go, there's crazy people in there. They're fools for Christ. What do we have to do? What's God calling you to do? What's calling our church to do? What's calling you to do personally that's going to look a little crazy so that someone can know that God is crazy about them? You know what I hope people says, and what I hope happens to our church is what happened at the end of that story, that all the people were amazed. Can we be amazing? Because Christ loves us so much, he's crazy for us. I hope that happens. Speaking of someone that I think is fun and a little crazy and is doing some great things, Darren's going to tell us something about you as a church or sponsoring so let's bring up folks in the children's home.